Hi, it's great to be back uh, with you in this series Entrusted. I'm just loving kind of what I'm learning around this whole series of stewardship and stuff. And um, I've really enjoyed reading the books by Robert Morris, actually. I've read The Blessed Life a long time ago around giving and generosity, but it was really funny reading his second one when he was like, oh, hold on, you guys are doing this all wrong. You know, it's not, you don't give your way out of this. You kind of steward your wealth well to create the disposable margin that then you're generous with. Remember the first time I kind of taught some of this at a Bible college and this guy's like, oh, I've been doing power offerings off my credit card to try and, you know, because the, the televangelist told me I was going to get a thousand fold return and that's how I was going to solve it. Robert Morris is like, no, 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 no. We, we steward well uh, and, and, and then we give from what we've managed to generate as, as discretionary spending out of our good stewardship. And I, it's such an empowering kind of way to think about life. And, and for me, I want to talk this morning really around that thing. I think this message is designed to be empowering. It's got some real grunt to it uh, that we don't do life passively as victims, but we do life empowered to make a difference. And, um, you know, this whole parable of the talents in Matthew 25, for me, you can read it as an incredibly empowering message, not as a message of of weakness or vulnerability or beating down. Because again, you know, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. It's like, man, God's given me stuff to use to do life with. And um, if you know the story, the guy who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. It's like, man, I can work some stuff in life. God, you've given me some abilities. When I put them to work, stuff happens, stuff grows. And so in, the, in this parable, and he gained five more. It's like, this is a picture of not just how to do a small area of our finances. This is a picture of how to do life. This is a picture of how to not, even, not only be a Christian disciple, but how to be a human being, kind of to hit life with a bit of grunt to go, God, you've given me some resources. You've wired some stuff into my heart. And if I put this to work, it's going to grow, it's going to advance, it's going to make a difference. And, and, and then he gave, you know, the one with two, the same, and the one with one. And I, I love, you know, this response when he comes back. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. There's none of this like, oh, I'm so unworthy and I'm so useless or whatever. Like he stands up and, and looks the master in the face and is this confidence. God, you gave me these abilities and I worked with these. And look, I made a difference with them. Something advanced, something shifted, something moved forward in my life with these. You know, and, and it's awesome, the response. And I haven't highlighted any, anything in this because it's like every word is kind of mind-blowing. His master replied this, well done. Some of us don't know a God who just says to you, come on, you're doing a good job. Well done with what you've done. You know, maybe you didn't get dealt the greatest hand. Maybe you've had some struggles, but well done. And it's like, man, if we could just hear that and we could believe in a God who says that to people, well done. And then good, like good is not like median grade. Good is like, there's something good about you. You approach life in a good way. You try to do the right thing by people. You try to do things well. Good on you. You're a good person. Well done. You're a good person. And beyond that, you're faithful. You worked at stuff. You kept going. You grew stuff. 
and you've been faithful with a few things, so what now? So I will put you in charge of many things. It's like, this is this mind-blowing idea of Christian discipleship, but also human life. If we'll just do well with what we've been given, if we'll, if we'll just be a good person and faithfully do and work with what God's given us, He's just gonna cause those things to grow. He's gonna open up doors. And then the final sentence, come and share your master's happiness. It's interesting, the commentators can't kind of locate what specifically he means, but basically this invitation is like, just come into a place of joy. I don't know about you, but I want that this morning. And, and if all of that, man, if, if I could do life under that sense that my heavenly Father, my heavenly Master is saying, well done. Hey, you've done a good job this year. This year was a hard go, but well done. You got through, you're still going. Good, you've done some good things by people. You've been faithful. And, and because of that, I'm gonna cause increase in your life. And come on, come and step into something that just has a place of joy and freedom and bounty and flourishing to it. And so I think this is an incredible story that gives hope and purpose and significance and goes, do you know what? I can hit life with a sense like we can do this. We got that. We can overcome whatever happens. God's gonna be with us. He's gonna, he's gonna help me make a difference in my life. And I think that's a really important message. And one of the reasons why it's really important is, we'll just unpack it a bit more, it flows through. Actually, there's more to this here. It flows through even more, because the guy with two, I love the fact he gets the same commendation. He wasn't God's, not like, oh, well, you didn't do as well as the guy with five. It's like, no, exactly the same language. Well done, good and faithful. Like you were faithful, it wasn't your decision that you weren't as talented as them, but you just did really well with what I gave you. And so the same reward, I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the final one is the guy who, who he, his only, it wasn't that he tried, he just, he didn't do anything with it. So this whole parable is like, come on, you can do something with what God's given you. You can put it to work and God's gonna advance you. He's gonna back you. He's gonna cause breakthrough. And so that total parable is an empowering story. And why is it so important? Because this happened. And other stuff will happen. And um, I, was, I was just really interested the day before the second time that, um, that Auckland had to go back into lockdown. I'd been reading uh, a person felt they had a prophetic word and they talked about a, a second lockdown. I guess you didn't have to be a rocket scientist or a prophet to think that was gonna happen. But he said an interesting thing that really struck me. He, he was like, what's the spirit that people get caught up into? And he's like, with the first lockdown, there was this fear. Oh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna, where's this gonna go? You know, and all that. But he said, interesting, he felt with the second lockdown that the challenge for people would be not so much fear, but depression. And when he said it, something gelled in my mind and heart to go, you know what, I think, I think that's right. And I think it's not just a key for COVID, but it's whenever we come up against challenges, because you know, like with lockdown the first time, it's like, oh yeah, we got this. We're gonna have all these Zoom meetings. We're gonna do all these onlines. We're gonna work the phones up. We got this. But the second time, it's like, oh, not again. And, and, and it reminded me of this, it reminded me actually of this concept in psychology called learned helplessness. And um, apologies to all animal lovers, this is cruel psychologists from the 1950s and 60s. But this is what they did. They, like, they, got, these, they got these rats and they, they, held, just, they held them and the rats would struggle and try and get free and after a while they'd give up and realize we can't get out of here. And so they had some 
rats that they'd held and some rats that they hadn't held. And this, apologies, never do this today, but it's what they did. They put them in buckets of water and see how long they would swim for till they gave up. And the ones that had never been held would swim sometimes for 60 and 80 hours. The ones that had been held and restrained swam for 30 minutes and then gave up and drowned. And the whole point was they had kind of learned that I can't make a difference. They had kind of learned that bad stuff is just going to happen and what's the use? And, and it's like, for me, um, part of the message of stewardship, part of the message of entrusting, whether it's in COVID, whether it's dealing with family issues, whether it's dealing with health issues or whatever, is this, this incredible message like, no, no, th- my mindset is we can make a difference. My mindset is we can move forward. My mindset, I've been trusted with the resources of heaven and he's gonna commend me, he's gonna back me, he's gonna say, well done. My mindset is we can do this. And, and, and uh, just to go on with this learned help, helplessness, this guy Seligman was the psychologist. They did another thing. Again, terrible experiment. Wouldn't do this now in the 1960s. They, they rang a little bell and gave these dogs a little electric shock. And the dogs learned that they had no control over whether they were gonna get a shock or not. And then they put them in these kind of cages where there was a, a divider in the middle. And this side where the dog was, the floor would give them a shock, and on the other side, there was no shock. But do you know what they found? If they'd, if they'd done the balance shock, then the dog would never jump over. It had kind of learned, like, what's the use? Why bother? It had learned helpless, I'm helpless. And for me, that's so antithetical to the gospel. It's so antithetical to the message of the series. No, no, I've been entrusted with stuff and I can make a difference. I've been entrusted with stuff and I can overcome stuff. I've been entrusted with stuff. I can see something grow and develop out of here. And I just feel like uh, whatever situation you're in today, whether COVID's a thing of the past or still happening, it's like God wants to inject the strength that whatever comes, I, I, the power of the gospel is the power of I'm entrusted with the resources of heaven and God backs me to see that grow and move forward. And I refuse to buy into this thing that just says there's no use, there's no way ahead, nothing can make a difference. This guy, Arne Seligman, then wrote a book called Learned Optimism, The Opposite. And he kind of unpacked the kind of mindset. How do people get into this place where they feel like nothing's gonna change versus how, what's a mindset that makes a difference? And just a bit of back, he says, he contrasts as optimist versus pessimist. And he says three things make the difference. Do you see your current struggles as permanent? So optimistic people believe bad events to be more temporary than permanent and bounce back quickly from failure, where others take longer periods to overcome. This bottom sentence, optimists point to specific temporary causes for negative events, pessimists point to permanent causes. Man, 2020 sucks. 2020 was a write-off, but there's been a lot of years that weren't like that. There's gonna be a lot of years that won't be like that. It's okay, this is not permanent. Whereas a pessimist has learned helplessness like my life is over, I'm never gonna get through this. It's a lie of the enemy. The message of entrusted is this is temporary. It will not last because God is backing you. The second thing that it's, they'll start with P, it's not only permanent, but it's pervasive. So optimistic people compartmentalize helplessness. I was a bit useless at that, but I'm pretty good at this stuff. Um, and, and, but then optimistic people also allow good events to brighten every other area of their lives. So it's like, yeah, my business is not looking great, but my kids love me, <laughs> my wife loves me, it's going well. 
It's like I'm able to I'm able to kind of go not this big cloud that's both permanent and pervasive. It's like no, it's temporary and it's specific. And it's like this is stuff that empowers us to do life with some courage and hope and conviction. No, we got this. Come on, there's a way through whatever's challenges. And the third P, personalization. Optimists blame bad events on causes outside of themselves, whereas pessimists blame themselves for events. So optimists are generally more confident. Oh yeah, my business went under because I'm a bad businessist. No, my business went under because there was a global crisis. You know, my kid's struggling at school, not because I'm a bad dad, but maybe they've got a learning disability and we're gonna get some help for them. But can you see the, dif- but the difference between a, a perspective of helplessness and a perspective of, no, I've been given the resources to make a way into a better future. I'm stewarding my way into purpose. I'm stewarding my way into destiny. There is always hope. And the parable of the talent says, God has, an inv- has invested you with the resources of heaven and he's entrusted you that if you work these things, you're gonna generate a better future for yourself. Um, Another writer puts this at the same points, but three uh, attributions and he just grounds it a bit so this might help you. Again, you're you're gonna learn helplessness if you attribute it to internal things. So he gives this example. You believe you failed the test because you're stupid. That's internal. Compare that to believing the test was too hard. See the difference? Oh, no, I'm dumb. No, no, the, the person put, the, put stuff in the test that he hadn't even taught us. Dumb teacher kind of thing. The second thing is stable. Again, that's like the permanent thing. Again, situation. Believing that you uh, failed the test because you're stupid versus believing that you failed the test because you didn't study enough. No, no, yeah, something bad happened, but it's gonna change. It's not permanent, it's not stable. We can do this. And then the final thing is global, which is kind of that pervasive. So again, believing you failed a test because you're stupid is a global attribution. However, if you believe you failed the test because you're bad at that subject, it's specific. Can you see it's a whole mindset? There's either a mindset like, I am no good, this is my whole of life, and it's gonna stay this way forever, Versus navigating, this is a difficult season and this part of my life is a challenge, but there's a way through this. I believe this whole series of entrusted says, no, let's not buy into a learned helplessness and a hopelessness. And let's say the resources of heaven are backing me to make a difference. And, and, and so I think we need to read the parable of the talents like that. It's a parable that says you have been given enough to move your world. You have been given enough to build a better future. You have been given enough to build significance and purpose and destiny in your world. There will always be hope because God has invested in you. Um, and, and I love the sense for me that um, all of that sits like, yeah, I've got to be responsible with money and steward that well so that then I can steward the other parts of my life well, like my kids and my wife and my ministry and my calling and all that. And I, and I, gotta, I gotta do that well, but that sits within a bigger circle. You know that God is backing me? 
And I think that's one of the things I love listening to Pastor Sam's first sermons and, uh, and Robert Morris's books is sometimes we can overcook the stewardship thing. Oh, it's all on me. No, no, the Bible never says it's all on you. The Bible says you've got an incredible dignity and purpose, but I've got great news for you. God adds His weight to your stewardship. God is backing you. God is for you. God's favour is on your life. Uh, and, and the first morning where the second lockdown happened, I woke up with this verse in my mind. It's from Psalm 61. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And it's like, man, yeah, I'm going to do my best at stewardship. But do you know what? If it's all on me, I'm going to get overwhelmed. And, and moments when I'm overwhelmed in my entrustedness and stewardship, I need to locate that in something that's bigger and stronger than me and that's God. And I'm confident to now seek to work out what I'm entrusted with because my heart's not overwhelmed, because I'm not like my life has collapsed, because there is a rock that's higher than mine. And I love this. You've been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Selah means stop and pause and think about that. Yeah, I'm entrusted to do some stuff. But God, there's a massive weight of heaven in behind me, helping me to overcome helping me to achieve, helping me to get through. I'm not going to buy into the fact that it's all over and it's helpless because God, you're here for me. Again, um, uh, it goes on. God, you've heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. I steward something, an inheritance. You have downloaded resources into my life, God, and, and, and I can work with that. And then because you're doing this, because you're going to look after me this, that I may daily perform my vows. It's like, yeah, I got things I need to work at. This marriage, these kids, getting the credit card debt down, building up some savings, investing in the gospel, serving. In the, I'm going to do all that, but I do that knowing that you have given me an inheritance. And I know that sits within the sense that you are more powerful than I could ever be. And I just want you to feel some freedom today as you work out what it means to be entrusted from heaven that you've got a big God backing you in that. It doesn't all stand or fall on you. God, I'm responsible to try and be a good dad, but ultimately these are your kids and you've got to come through. You've got to break into their world, God. God, I'm trying to be responsible with my finance, but God, I need you to open some doors. God, I'm trying to share the gospel with my friends, but if it all stands or falls on what I can do, that's too much of a burden. God, you've got to break into their world. You've got to orchestrate some stuff that opens them up to me. Kind of similar Psalm 90. I've been thinking a lot this year, the sense of the bigness of God. And there's an old chorus about this, you know, from everlasting to everlasting. It's like, man, I need to set the bigger framework for this whole thing. God, you have gone from everlasting to everlasting. And, and that's the context that I try and do my little bit of stewardship in, the everlasting God. 
And, and I love, you know, a thousand years in your side are like a day that has just gone by. I was thinking like, you know, you sit down at the end of the day, maybe with your family. Oh, how was the day? Oh, I had a meeting at 10 and, you know, it was okay. And then meeting at 12. God's in heaven like the angels. Oh, yeah. We had, a, we had the Roman Empire in the morning and then we did, you know, we did the Greek Empire and then the British Empire that came and went midday with afternoon, you know, a cup of tea. And then, you know, and then we met. And it's like God just sums up a thousand years like a day. Like my my stewardship that can feel so big and like, ah, everything's standing or falling on me. It's like, go on, put that within a bit of a bigger context. This is with a God who, th- who can evaluate a thousand years like it's a day, who goes from everlasting to everlasting. And so the context, our days may come to 70 years or 80 years. It's like my whole life in one sense is a blip in the plan of God, a little, a little spot in the plan, like, I'm so overwhelmed with what I've got to do today. No, my whole life is a small moment when God counts as thou. And it's not to trivialise it, it's to say, get a bigger perspective because He is invested in you. But you need a bigger God than your current situation that empowers you then to take meaningful steps. Because I love, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may be glad all our days. And this is how the psalm finishes. And this is where it lands. May the favour of the Lord, our God, rest on us. And this is his prayer. God, may you establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. God, I'm gonna put to work what you've given me. I'm gonna try and do my best. But I need to know, God, this sits in a much, my whole life is gonna be gone before I know it. And that's a little, a little event in a thousand years for you, which sits as a little event from everlasting to everlasting. But God, I'm counting on all that way to heaven now when I try and take my little two talents and put them to work, that you're gonna be backing that, that you're there, that you're for me, that there's always hope, there's always an answer, there's always deliverance in these times. You know, this balance you said, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Yeah, it's my job, I'm entrusted to build, but unless God is backing this, I, I can't change things. Unless the Lord watches over the cities, the guards stand watch in vain. God, I'm gonna steward my part. I'm gonna try and tighten my spending. I'm gonna try and invest in my marriage and my kids. I'm gonna try and go to uni and get a qualification. I'm gonna try and do all of this because I'm trying to steward what you've done. But God, I need to know that God of heaven is in behind this, adding his weight to all of this. Dallas Willard is a writer about spirituality and... um, and he talks about this concept. And I think it's really important for, for our, what does it mean, not just to be a follower of Jesus, what does it mean to be a human being? That's why this, anything that robs us of, of a sense of, the word is efficacy, power, ability to make a difference, is, is so destructive. And he, in his book, Divine Conspiracy, he's got a chapter he called Made to Rule. And he asks what a kingdom is. Says this, to gain deeper understanding of our eternal kind of life in God's present kingdom, we must be sure to understand what a kingdom is. Listen to this. Every last one of us has a kingdom or a queendom or a government, a realm that is uniquely our own, where our choice determines what happens. Here is a truth that reaches into the deepest part of what it is to be a person. You have been entrusted with stuff where you are invited to go to work and make a difference. 
to build the kind of marriage he wants, to build the kind of family, to build the health, to build the resource base, to build the ministry. He goes on to say, it's nevertheless true that we are made to have dominion within an appropriate domain of reality. This is the core, listen to this, this is the core of the likeness or image of God in us. Anything that robs you of a sense like, I'm gonna step into my world and make a difference, that is evil, that is destructive. Goes on to say, it's the basis of the destiny for which we are formed. We are, all of us, never-ceasing spiritual beings with a unique eternal calling to count for good. Do you like that? To count for good in God's great universe. I am entrusted, I am a steward, not only of my wealth, but of my abilities, my relationships, my ministry, my calling, my gifting. I'm a steward of all of that. And I, God, I have a God-given ability to exercise His authority in that realm. Goes on to say, our, our kingdom is simply the range of our effective will. Whatever we genuinely have the say over is our kingdom. And having the say over something is precisely what places it within our kingdom. Listen to this. In creating human beings, God made them to rule, to reign, to have dominion in a limited sphere. Only so can they be persons. That's why stewardship is so important. I have been given this territory. He's given me some resources and he's just said, go and make it happen. Go and grow something. Go and see something be fruitful. He finishes by saying, the sense of having some degree of control over things is now recognized as a vital factor in both mental and physical health and can make the difference between life and death in those who are seriously ill. Don't learn helplessness. Learn that you live out your life in faithful stewardship under the watch and care and grace of the everlasting God. And yeah, you may struggle, you may meet adversity, but it's not global, it's specific, it's not permanent, it's temporary, it's not even internal, it's, it's often external situations. Don't let it mess with your head that you can't be a stewardship. He says this, by contrast, attacks on our personhood always take the form of diminishing what we can do or have a say over, sometimes up to the point of forcing us to submit to what we abhor. Interesting psychologists talk about the ABCs. We encounter adversity, A. We have certain beliefs about that adversity. It's my fault, I'm useless, I'm a failure, I'm not good enough. And that has certain consequences in how we feel. And so some clever guy added on a D and an E. We need to dispute some of those beliefs. No, no, there is a good God who's backing you. No, no, you have gifts on your life. No, he's invested treasure in you. There's a calling on your life. There's purpose and destiny. And if we'll dispute some of those beliefs, the E is then energy will return and hope will return. And yeah, I've, 2020 hasn't been a great year, but it's not gonna last. 2020 hasn't been a great year, but it's not a verdict on me as a person. 2020 might not have been a successful year, but it's not about the totality of who I am. I'm gonna work at stewarding my health or my relationships and my finance. I'm gonna work at all these things because I believe that God has invested heaven in my life. You know, I, I said all, I mean, I'm supposed to be talking about kind of stewarding money and I've kind of gone real big from that, from stewarding money to stewarding all of life to where God is. Because this really comes back to the most foundational thing. What does it mean to be a human being? And Genesis 1 tells us, you are created 
in the image of God. Who's God? He's the creator. He's the designer. He's the person who builds beauty and order and flourishing. You're created to step in like Him and create that in some part of your world. Never surrender that to the sense of helplessness. You know, and and I love it goes on. The commission, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth. That's the whole parable of the talents. Take what you've been given and grow it. Yeah, I was okay at school, so this year I'm gonna go to university. I'm gonna get a degree. Okay, I'm good with machines. I'm gonna get an apprenticeship and become a mechanic. Uh, I'm gonna get an apprenticeship and become a builder. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to a premarital course and we're gonna try and strengthen these relationships. I'm gonna go to a parenting course and I'm gonna make our family a happier place for my kids. I'm gonna go to a Mind Your Marriage course and strengthen our marriage. I choose to walk into life, not with a learned helplessness, but with an empowering sense that I'm created in the image of God to take authority, as Pastor Sam says, the middle of authority to author my destiny. And I'm gonna believe that 2021 is gonna be more fruitful and increased and more flourishing than right now. I refuse to accept that this is the permanent verdict on my life. And part of that, he goes on to say, subdue it and rule. There's some stuff I'm gonna need to overcome. But Goliath, you're going down. Devil, you're gonna be stomped under my feet. Part of me made in the image of God as I subdue chaos and I bring order and flourishing. Because God, as the parable of the talent said, you have given me of your wealth. And if I'll put this to work, good things are gonna happen. You know, in the final summary of all of this, and I said this kind of in the context, yeah, what does it mean to be a human being? My whole life is stewardship. My whole life is entrusted. But there is a big God behind me. And, and you know, not all the details in a parable cross over, and this is the one that doesn't work. In the parable of the talents, the master just goes away and leaves them to it. I love it that the rest of the Bible says, no, the master doesn't leave you to it. The master adds his weight to what you're doing. And so verse 28, God bless them. God bless them. Come on, you're created in my image. I bless you. You're created with investment of my wealth and resources in your life. I bless you. You're created with purpose and destiny. I bless you. You're created to overcome obstacles and subdue them. I bless you. You're created to rule in life. I bless you. Come on, you're created to live with hope. I bless you. You're created to live with confidence. I bless you. You're created to hold your head high and believe in what I put inside of you. I bless you. I'm an entrusted person. I'm a son of the King. I'm a child of the Most High God and and He has blessed me. And I might be going through a time, but it's not permanent. It might be this area of my life I'm struggling with, but it's not global. It it might be something that's happened, but it's not who I am because I'm a child of the Most High God and He has blessed me. And I don't know what situation you're in. I don't know what crisis you're facing now. but don't learn helplessness. Rediscover hope because He is blessing you. And if you'll just put to work what He's put in your hands, it will be fruitful. It will increase in number and you will hear Him say, well done, well done. You're so good. You're so good. You're so faithful. 
come and enjoy the happiness of seeing success in life, seeing overcome difficulties, seeing flourishing. Come and let's celebrate because you've done real well. Good on you. I pray that you would discover that this morning. God bless them. May God bless you this morning.